Welcome. I'm J. Michael Silver, and this is Foundational Steps, the show where I talk with people about the choices they've made in the past to get where they are in life. In this episode, I'm talking with Sydney Seligman. Finance, real estate, acting, and production are some of the areas that Sydney has been successful in. Sydney is one of those people that has something extra to his presence. In this episode, we find out what centers him and some interesting stories that reveal his many dimensions. Links for Sydney and timestamps for everything that came up are in the show notes. Please leave a comment or review. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Don't forget to check out our affiliate links. There might be something of interest to you. Enjoy our conversation. Sydney, welcome. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Good to see you. All right. So let's just jump right in and get uh, to the nitty gritty. I want to know at what moment in your time, um, and this could be when you're four years old uh, or 30 years old, um, at what point in time did you realize, have like a level of consciousness that you were in your body making choices and it actually affected the world around you? I'd say it was about seven years ago when I started to do deep transcendental meditation. Oh, wow. So I'd always did Headspace and some of these other apps. And, and, and I think they're a good source to get you in on like the fundamental. Oh, absolutely. And maybe, you know, expand on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But when I got into transcendental meditation, it was just another level that's so hard to explain to people. You really just got to experience it. Um, it was actually more of a lifesaver for me because I remember at the mm-hmm. time I was searching for a lot of different things. I didn't have a good sleep schedule. I was bouncing around, you know, from like side project. I was multitasking, which as anyone will tell you, you can't really multitask. No, it, I mean, I, I, I love that they finally have debunked this whole thing of multitasking, you know, because, you know, you can maybe switch gears really fast, mm-hmm. but your, your brain just doesn't work that way. I actually had a, um, I worked with a director years ago and um, at the Meisner Center, Marty, Martin, Marty Barter and brilliant dude. And I'd never really thought about it before. But he said, you can only feel one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, he's like, you're pretty talented and other people are pretty talented. But, the, you know, in terms of being able to flip back and forth and understand all the nuances. However, if you don't understand that you only feel one thing at a time and you're just flipping back and forth, it will be more difficult to bring forward what you need and, and, you know, to fill out a character when you need it. Um, and, and it it made so much sense immediately. It was just like, oh yeah, that's true. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as far as, um, you know, just life in general, it's like what we feel like, you know, all these conflicting emotions and everything. It's like, no, 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 you're feeling this, then you're feeling this. That's why it feels the conflict is there. And when Mm -hmm. you understand that the conflict goes away. Certainly. What was, what brought you to transcendental meditation? I had heard about it a couple different times from a couple different people. And I always wanted to make the leap. Life happens, right? You get busy. I was working a lot at the time, um, flying around, traveling a lot. So it's hard to like, get me to just do one thing at one moment. And then 
you know, I had a little break in my schedule. I had like a good month in my schedule where I was not going anywhere. I was staying home. I was like going to do some self-help basically, yeah. you know, activities. And at the time, the Beverly Hills uh, TM center was two blocks away from me. Mm. I could walk there. And I just found out that that's what location was. I'm like, there's no excuses. I could walk. They had a 6 a.m. class uh, like two or three times during the week. Nice. So it's like, okay, all right, this is all part of, you know, my self-help and nurturing. And um, I wanted to have like an early schedule and that kind of catapulted me because I had to do it and mm-hmm. it was a short walk. Um, so yeah, it was, it was basically <clears throat> thinking about it, eventually doing it, getting rid of all the excuses that I'd kind of given myself and uh just kind of dove into it and i could not speak highly enough so where to start there's there's a couple things there so first how long did it take you to start to feel like this is this is going to make a difference or that this is important like the, did you have an immediate sense or did it take a few weeks or a few months i was hook line and sinker right away oh, wow. um it may have also been the gentleman and the, the, his partner that were delivering the message mm-hmm. because they were just so welcoming, so encompassing, so understanding, no, no excuse or wrong made a difference in the world. Um, even the center was right outside a sports car uh, I don't know if it was a repair shop or what, but like yeah. randomly you'd hear these loud Ferraris and Lamborghinis are roaring right. by in the middle of your meditation. And he would just, then he would just simply say something comes in and then it goes out. Absolutely. So within that second, it's not even a big deal anymore. And that's actually helped me a lot with work because, you know, no matter what your, your job is, certain things are going to pop up nonstop. Yeah. Good things, bad things, even the good things, they can derail you for the rest of your day because you have oh, so absolutely. much excitement and that's like, how do you get back to focus type of thing? But I think those, and that's something I think about all the time where those exotic cars roaring by, if something like that can take you out, then it's actually your choice to get your mind right back in. Well, God, there was someone I heard speak years ago. Um, they were talking about habits and, uh, and they made the statement that once you know you have a habit, you know, shaking your leg, uh, you know, or whatever is no longer a habit. It's a choice Mm -hmm. because now, you know, you're doing it. And I'm like, that Mm -hmm. is so awesome. I was like, that is so (laughs) simple. So like direct, like, it's like the, it's just the perfect kind of succinct message. Um, I, I, and I do think that it, man, it's so important where you get the message from, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and once you start hearing the message, you know, you can listen to a Metallica song and get the message, you know what I mean? Uh, Or, you know, or any, anywhere else. Like, I feel like it's all around us at all times. And uh, whatever your entry point is, is your entry point. And that's when you're ready, you know, to get the message. Um, Now, Transcendental TM is notoriously or used to be notoriously expensive. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it still crazy expensive? So that was one of the first roadblocks for me. Mm. Um, and then I was watching an episode of, uh, I want to say Lost, but it wasn't Lost. Um, it, was, it was a newer, Walking Dead. 
And okay. I saw a, a good friend of mine who I'd had a lot of different classes with earlier in our lives together on the show. And I'm like, I haven't seen Locke in so long. So I texted Locke and I'm like, hey, what's going on? We met up for lunch and he told me how he was in TM. And I was like, oh, you know, I almost got into it a couple different times. And he's like, you got to tr- reach back out because they brought down their prices significantly. That's amazing. It's based on an honor system. You basically just say, this is, they don't directly ask what you can afford or how much you make, but you basically say, this is the level that I can contribute. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like half the amount from when I initially yeah. researched it. And at that point I was like, okay, because I was already paying for the yearly subscriptions to all the different meditation apps. So yep. what's the difference after yeah. like three, four years, it's all the same. It's one of the things that's always frustrated me. Like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, you know, hopefully, you know, this podcast is available, you know, on YouTube for free on all the podcast platforms for free. So, you know, the barrier of entry should not be um, so high that it stops you. And the only true barrier of entry is ourselves, right? You know, because anytime, anytime I've ever needed money, I've found it, you know, like if I really need the money, I'll, I'll find it. I'll, I'll, someone will loan it to me. I'll, I'll win it. I'll, um, I'll all of a sudden get a job. Like it always works out, um, no matter what my financial situation is. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I won't stress about it sometimes, <laughs> but the, Um, the barrier of entry is always ourselves. And I feel like, you know, to make it more accessible and especially sliding scales, I feel like is so amazingly helpful because then it reaches more people and more people have the ability to say, okay, well, this is important enough that I'll give X, you know, to, you know, to the fund and, and then maybe if I can give more later, I'll give more later kind of thing mm-hmm. versus the, um, no, no, it's thousands of dollars. And if yes. you can't do it, then, you know, that's your problem because you need this and it's, it's priceless. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, it's priceless, but the barrier of entry again, it's like, I can't afford priceless right now. How am I going to, to do this? And I don't know. Anyways, you get it. I think anyone else listening gets it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just curious because you were doing meditation apps and and so forth before that. So even though you think of TM as your first real kind of awakening into your body and like, you know, the choices you're making, you must have had a softer entry at an earlier time that mm-hmm. opened you to TM. So I'm curious what, like, what were some of the softer entries, some of the kind of, you know, sinking into your body into this kind of consciousness earlier on in your life that made it possible for you then to go and find TM? Because I think that might be important to understand how you got to where you're at, because TM can be a big, it, because it, it's so foreign for most people. Right. Um, and having a mantra and being given a mantra, like it's very mm-hmm. esoteric and it's, mm-hmm. it's very, you know, ephemeral, you know? So what were some of the things that happened earlier on in your life that 
you know, made it easier to warm up to, to that? I'd say the biggest thing prior to TM, which is what got me into meditation at first was definitely getting into acting and, and acting classes. Yeah. Specifically, uh, Steve Braun, who, uh, you know, he's an LA coach and former actor and, um, overall amazing human being. And he, not only did he introduce me into meditation in general and opened me up spiritually, mm -hmm. got me in touch with my body, just made me a better human. Yeah, that's awesome. Just being around him and, and hearing him talk and, you know, whether it was diagnosing a scene or just talking about life or whatever's going on in the news, he always just had a really eye-opening, you know, point of view that you just left like feeling lighter and better and more aware. Um, not only about yourself, but just like the world around you. Yeah. I love that. I, and yeah. I mean, yeah, acting to me is, is everything. Um, it, it's not, it's not even about the job or the, 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 the movie or the play. It's just about, you know, the, um, the essence of being an actor, the, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm actually literally writing the Dow of acting. Nice. <laughs> I, I own the, I've owned the website for years, and I've just not figured out how to write it. And I finally know how to write it, and so I'm working on that now. Um, it, it's not going to come out for a, a long time. Um, I don't know how long it could, you know, but it's going to take me a few months just to get the first draft done. But um, yeah, I, I feel that would would it be fair to say that? If you weren't drawn to acting, would you, would it be fair to say that any form of art, you know, that you were drawn to would have kind of possibly opened that door for you? Probably. I'm very much one of those people, just like with TM, I need to see things a few different times to yeah. believe it. And, you know, it's the advertising thing. Yeah. You got to see something like six or seven times before you trust yeah. it. Right. Um, so I think I, I've always done like charcoal drawings and, and painted on the side and, and did things that were just for me, but not that those things were self-taught necessarily. I mean, you know, I'm going back to college when I was taught these things. Yeah. Um, but I think being around someone like him and then with the, the TM practice who I learned from as well, I think it was just, just hearing it from somebody else. I mean, basically what you're doing right now, right? hearing somebody else yeah. kind of tell their story over and their point of view a little bit and you see story how story is so powerful yeah and you see how they explain it and you know however you take it in you know whether we want to accept it or not we're judging it right we're like does this work for me is this good is this not do i trust them i'm not sure do i want to buy from them you know it's 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 the back and forth that we're constantly doing inside our mind yeah, it's that self-talk. Um, I, I, you know, the judgment or, or non-judgment, you know, in, in mindfulness, that's one of the one of the principles. Um, and it's kind of most anyone that works with mindfulness usually will say uh, non-judgment is is one of the principles or foundational steps or or what have you. And to me, um, non-judgment judgment is all self-talk. It's yeah. all it's all that internal monologue that's going on that is in reaction to whatever is, is happening uh, in, your, in your world, in your environment. And when we live in reaction is usually when we're at the mercy of our mm -hmm. lives instead of the masters of our lives. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad this is recorded because I don't think I've ever said it like that before. And I really, <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Um, anyways, you don't, know, you don't want to find it right before you go to sleep tonight. You're like, Oh no, I got to get up and write that down. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, and it's funny because, uh, you know, that's one of my coping me- mechanisms, um, in life is to, I try to write stuff down and I, I feel like, um, like sometimes it's a, a healthy thing and sometimes it's not because I'll end up getting in my head and I'll end up sitting and obsessing about these ideas and so forth. And, you know, there's a time, there's a time to, you know, kind of obsessed, there's a time to be in mm-hmm. your head, but if you're in your head too much and you're not living your life, you know, you're mm-hmm. not, you know, doing it. Um, so now that you have TM in your life, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you had other coping mechanisms prior to TM, uh, you know, prior to acting, but what, how did that then change in terms of how you dealt with life? Because obviously you're not going to be able to sit down, you know, or close your eyes in traffic and start your chant uh, or your mantra um, necessarily the same way you would if you're home alone. Right. Um, if you're driving on the 405 freeway in traffic and someone, you know, very purposely and aggressively <laughs> cuts you off as, as happens mm-hmm. in LA. Um, so what are some of your coping, coping mechanisms before and after and, and how and how do you engage that on in a in a very um, organic way into your life to you know to make your life easier and less stressful? Well, prior to TM or meditation in general, my coping mechanisms were always physical. So running, mm-hmm. you know, getting at least like a five mile run in to get that runner's high type of thing. Going yeah. to the gym regularly, yoga. Um, it was always it's always been a physical thing for me. Um, fast forward to now so when i do tm i do it tw- tw- twice a day 20 minutes each pretty much okay. right when i work up i uh, wake up and then somewhere around noon pretty much right after i eat lunch because you know there's always that lunch lull mm-hmm. and when i do that twice a day it really sets me up for like the next four or five hours nice so what you were saying with um someone cutting you off for example um, there's also that really good YouTube video. I could, I could send it to you. You've probably seen it where like the two fish start in a bowl of water and they look at each other and they're like, how's the water? And the other fish is like, what's water? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, and then that's actually something that I think about a lot, especially when driving, nice. um, is you just never know what that other person's day is looking like. You don't know what they just found out. You don't know why they're in a rush. Um, I think a lot of times we, default and it's like oh they're crazy or they're drunk or whatever it is but sometimes there's an emergency sometimes you know they're not feeling good um so i think with my my acting background and tm as well it's really so much about putting yourself in the other person having some empathy or at least forming some sort of empathy as opposed to jumping right to the negative um, initially yeah, I think that's awesome. I used to create just create stories in my head because I was always writing and and as you know, I was I, I would end up in my head a lot. And so if um you know, if I felt myself, if I kind of had that awareness where things were coming up, I would start writing a story about uh what was going on for them and and uh 
and what they're going through. And I think sometimes, like sometimes when I told myself the story about what this person's going through, I sometimes actually felt like that's actually it. I bet that's actually it. Like, sure. and, and not to make it all woo woo, like psychic moment or something like that, but it's like, we're humans. We all kind of go through the same damn thing. Mm -hmm. So there's really a limited number of options that it can possibly be. You know, the way magicians or illusionists or mentalists do their magic tricks on, you know, whatever, you know, stage, uh, it's because we're pretty predictable beings, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. we, we all do the same dumb things. And so when I tell myself the stories, um, it's like, oh, wow, I bet that's exactly what's going on. Wow, that poor guy or the, you know, that poor lady. And, um, you know, it's like, it's like watching a movie or a TV show, like you actually develop feelings for the characters, um, you know, and, and they actually have like a place in your life, all of mm -hmm. a sudden, you know, even if it's fleeting, they have a place in your life, they're, they're three dimensional beings. Um, Do you feel that when you start to talk to more people that you just meet all from all different walks of life that you find out you just have so much more in common with them, than maybe, you know, from years I, prior, having not spoken to those people? I, I do, but I feel like, so when I, when I was in college, I went to Europe to study abroad. Um, this would have been like 96 or 97, somewhere in there. And um, the weirdest thing happened. Everywhere I went, I saw people I knew. Now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I quickly realized, oh, that's not John, that's not Bethany, that's not whoever. But I saw these people walking and talking with, you know, their friends or family or whatever. And I'm like, I know this person. Yeah. And it was almost like I was hallucinating uh, <laughs> or having some sort of weird psychedelic, you know, kind of uh, episode where I was going back in time, you know, to when I interacted with these people and seeing that interaction with someone, with two other people. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of sent me on a lifelong trip uh, to, to an extent of, you know, thinking about, you know, these interactions we have. And, you know, I think that, you know, if you have an issue with your father, you know, all of a sudden when you're arguing with someone, you're not arguing with them, you're arguing oh, with your father. You know what I mean? Certainly, certainly. And like, you know, we, I, I don't think we ever have any competition other than ourselves. Mm -hmm. The only competitor that we have is ourselves. And, and we either, you know, fail to see that. Uh, and so we make it about the other person. Uh, or we are able to see that and then, and realize that, oh, this is from this time of my life that, you know, I didn't feel seen didn't feel heard, um, or I was hurt by this for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, I almost said this earlier, uh, and I've, 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 I've said, I, I think this has come up a number of times, but, um, and it's in my like little trailer for the show um all the world's a stage all the men and women are merely players mm -hmm. shakespeare's words to me are the modern simulation theory conversation mm -hmm. like 
and it's it's found in ancient Egypt. It's found in indigenous cultures in South America and North America, like this idea of a dream, this idea that uh, this is all an illusion, or you know, now with the Matrix movie being so prevalent, simulation mm-hmm. theory mm-hmm. Uh, or game theory, you know, and you know, each person is a universe in my mind is a universe under themselves. And the universe that I live in is trying to model, you know, all of the different possibilities of my own personality, all the possibilities of, you know, where I come from, where I'm going, aka ancestors and, and, um, offspring, I guess, is the, was the opposite of ancestors, children. Um, and so I am trying to create my entire, you know, everything up and down. And when I interact with you or when I interact with someone else, I'm seeing them process all of their possibilities. Sure. And I think it's getting so philosophical and esoteric. <laughs> I, I think our, our, our identities um, my, my working hypothesis is that our identities are what we create in order to have a starting place to have a conversation. Right. And we, our ego, as it's been coined by Freud, <clears throat> is, is our, our warrior that's trying to protect our identity because it's what we're most comfortable with and it's the easiest starting point to have any conversation or any interaction. And yeah. so the problems arise when our ego um, is unchecked and, mm-hmm. and isn't reined in because that's where we stop our growth and that's where we get overly defensive or end up in yeah. survival mode. Um, for how we're challenged and we don't have an opportunity to expand our identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I, I, I think where, what it all boils down to. Um, the gloves come off. The gloves come off. Yeah. <laughs> and if we, you know, in my mind, if we are uh, in full recognition and understanding of, you know, which is now like there's different, psychological systems that are coming out that are saying this is you know our best models now like um ifs internal family systems mm-hmm. uh and uh there's another book by james fadiman uh fadiman and jordan gruber uh jordan i've actually had on the show um and um it's called uh, symphony of selves so there's slightly different ways of coming at that same idea um you know shakespeare talks about it and there's plenty of other Clive Barker, one of my favorite um, uh, writers, you know, he talks about our true selves, you know, in the movie Hellraiser, you know, which is Mm -hmm. being remade evidently, um, our true (laughs) selves and like, but we have to be willing to, to some extent, I mean, metaphorically be absolutely naked and bare uh, to really find out what that is, you know, which I think can only be truly found through artistic expression and mm-hmm. then it can be modified and uh, fit for being a doctor for being a lawyer for being a mechanic for being you know a janitor or whatever 
Um, and then we can be the best version of those things, you know, possible, you know, Indeed. Yeah, it's a full circle. You got to start, leave it, expand, learn from it, look back, and then you come back to it and be like, oh, okay, that's where I was. I can let that go in certain times, you know, that way I'm not honking that horn 24 seven on the road. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. Um, and, and also to give ourselves a break because just because we have a practice for years or longer doesn't mean we're still not going to feel, feel what we feel. And and we, yeah. And we got to deal, we got to deal with that as, as it happened when, when it happens and give ourselves a break on that. Mm -hmm. Um, so now that you have, like, you've been doing TM for years and, you know, to do it twice a day, 20 minutes a day. I mean, that, that's a strong practice. That's a really strong mm-hmm. practice. And so how does exercise or your other former, um, you know, activities and outlets for coping, how do they now play into your life and have, has your relationship with like running for that runner's high, has that completely changed or is it still what it is? It's just different from PM. I'd say the running portion is the same. It actually hasn't changed. Um, but certainly, you know, as far as like yoga, because yoga and TM are so closely related, yeah, that's definitely gone to higher levels where it wasn't, as if I wasn't trying initially with yoga to the level that I am now, but when you're in the pose and you know, your, your, your hamstrings are tight or you're just not that flexible or you have an issue, whatever it is, your psoas is hurting that day. You know, sometimes you just don't let go enough to push yourself or you don't have your mind in the right space that you can just release and and, and sit into the pose and enjoy it and relax a little bit now it's gotten to the point almost and, and i keep going back to that exotic story or exotic car story right? right something negative can come in for a second but it's your choice as you said to just let it go same thing with yoga like i've been able to get and i've not for years i've been anti-flexible like it just wasn't working perpetually could not touch my toes or anything like that but now you get into a place where if it's something that you need to release you know mentally so that you could drop in physically i'm able to do it quickly i'm also able surprisingly and my wife doesn't understand this and she does tm i could do tm anywhere i could do it in in a loud train bus car while you know someone else is driving i'll do it while music is playing it for whatever reason now i've been able to and it it, it was something that came gradually over the years it wasn't something that just the next day you know i was able to zen out wherever i felt like um but they all and and you know so many thoughts come into our mind so quickly it's one of those things now where I can just drop in and I can, if something, a loud noise, a horn, whatever, a, a, an airplane goes by, like, all right, it's in just like it came out type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing. My father is the ultimate existentialist uh, and atheist. And um, 
but for whatever reason, uh, as a younger person, he learned uh, certain techniques that allowed him, he could fall asleep anywhere at the drop oh, of wow. a hat. Uh, he can, you know, bring himself, you know, kind of in, um, and it was growing up in, in that house. I mean, he taught me some things early on, you know, he taught me some early tricks, you know, when I was a kid, I learned stuff as early as four years old from my grandfather, his father, um, and been doing martial arts forever. So I was really fortunate, but my father being the atheist existentialist, nothing matters, you know, more of a materialist, you know, the, the idea that everything comes from matter, a consciousness is an emerging property of matter, uh, not the everything, where for me, being young and being aware, uh, I felt like, no, no, material is not the all, the mind is the all, the mental is the all. And, and, uh, so he, and he never saw it that way. So it drove me <laughs> batshit crazy because as you know, with the raging hormones and, and all of, you know, the things you're trying to learn how to deal with as, as a teenager and, and a young adult, uh, in my twenties, like I had this background in meditation already, you know, in my teenage years um, and self-discipline and, uh, all of that stuff. I had a spiritual connection and like, I, I had this, I, I felt like more to life, you know, uh, the universe, God, whatever, however you want to mm -hmm. define it. And I was struggling and here my dad is atheist, doesn't believe in anything. Um, and he's just able to zen out, like sleep, you know, calm down. And it drove me crazy. It drove me absolutely crazy. And now I, I think about that and I'm like, that's probably a large part of why he hasn't, he is not um, spiritual and, and, he, and he's an existentialist because he doesn't need it because life you know, life doesn't require you to believe in anything. Uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to do what you're going to do and then you're going to die. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's it. And, um, and you make the most of it mm -hmm. and he's able to do that and able to be at peace with that. So, you know, what else is there? <laughs> yeah. So he never needed to develop any spiritual, uh, you know, side or, or, you know, relationship with the energy, the universe or God or whatever. Yeah, growing up, I so my my mom and her family are Catholic, and then mm -hmm. my dad who adopted me is Jewish. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I would go to church and synagogue regularly. And I think from that point was initially why I would constantly ask the question like why? Why is this? Why why are there two different religions? Why do we do things so differently but they're so the same because even though the families were you know different backgrounds and yeah. heritages they would come together and everything was the exact same yep you know no matter the, and it's all with other religions and races as well yep. it's like everyone's the same so why are things yeah. different and um yeah so maybe for, for me is certainly having those different dichotomies growing up mm was like launched me even before I realized what I was doing into like asking those questions and being inquisitive and whatnot. But I guess, you know, 
maybe the way your father was is why you became the opposite because you know you're like well, all right why is he so calm with it <laughs> there is it's interesting there are some I, I definitely think that plays a role and there's also i've heard um you know things you know skip a generation sometimes mm -hmm. my grandfather his father was a jewish mystic and he didn't really become a mystic until later in life mm -hmm. and he spent years having lucid dreams uh, and working with uh, rabbi luria who he didn't you know he wasn't an active jew and he wasn't like a practicing jew my understanding so i don't think he had a clue who rabbi rabbi luria it was um because he went searching for him and to go searching for someone that you think exists and think is real from your dreams you can't really know much about them or 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 you know think they exist so and and what he found uh when he went searching for him he went to uh the city uh where he saw in his dreams and where he would speak with this this rabbi and turns out the guy had been dead for like 400 years Wow. And yeah, and his description, uh, the, the way he looked, the way he cut his beard, um, everything matched, you know, where in the town, everything matched. Um, there's more to the story and it's, it gets weirder and longer, but, um, you know, another time. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the, the key is, is this changed his entire outlook on life because mm -hmm. he was having these recurring dreams these lucid dreams where he's very new, like he was in this other kind of place mm -hmm. and knew he was in this other country. And then when he went looking and found that this guy had been dead for centuries, um, you know, he became a mystic he be, and he became mm -hmm. a, a, um, a practicing Jew at that point in time and, and really kind of delved into it. And my, he, he cut my family off. He disowned my family when I was mm -hmm. born because um, I wasn't named after the last dead Jew, which is part of, you know, the Jewish tradition. And um, when I was four years old, which evidently s s coincides with some sort of energetic awakening or souls, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't actually know the details. He decided I need to be in my grandson's life. And my grandmother and my aunt were like, I don't think you're welcome. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 I'm going to go. And, um, you know, I remember him telling me some wild stories. And in my mind, I would say, I don't know that he ever told me this, but in my mind, um, he knew that I would never be Jewish. And he knew that my father, you know, would do whatever he could to keep me away from religion. So he, um, he wanted to put me on a spiritual path and he wanted to make sure that I had, uh, a relationship with greater energies, God universe, however you want to put it. Um, and the stories he told me and the places he took me mentally, uh, through these stories and through these conversations, was magical mm. and so now when he died when i was 15 that's when i really it all became real for me mm -hmm. um in terms of the spiritual side and that's when because that's when i was realized that all these things that i thought i believed in and i had this sense of 
um, the reality of it came into question because my dad was a hardcore atheist existentialist. And, and really my grandfather was the only person I really had that open dialogue with. Mm -hmm. So when he was gone, I didn't know who else to talk to. And all of a sudden I was then left very, very, uh, isolated to find out, can I trust these feelings, these experiences and, um, what I'm, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And especially when, when I'm being told by my father, no, no, it's all bullshit. There's nothing there. <laughs> There's no life after death. There's no consciousness before uh, life or after life. This is it. Yep. Um, so that's when, for me, when the spiritual side of things became very, very real, because uh, I had to, I had to learn how to um, be grounded in it or trust in it and um that was not easy (laughs) yeah change your environment change your point of view yeah exactly um i don't know we got so far over here what you just told me reminds me of a past life regression session i had once which is a whole probably different topic as well that's a different topic as well but let's (laughs) let's just go for it (laughs) We're so down the rabbit hole at this point in time. Let's go I mean, for it. I mean, have, have you done a past life regression before? I have not done a formal session. I have uh-huh. done meditations where I feel like I have experienced um, what I can only assume are past lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not, it's not been important enough for me to define it as, yes, this was absolutely a past life. And sometimes I'll talk about it. I was like, I had this life, I had this life and this life, but you know, I'm not, yeah, I don't know. And I've also gone down the rabbit hole. University of Virginia actually studies past lives. Like a oh, university wow. has a psychology program that actually studies past lives. And they have children that they have met with because you start to forget your past lives uh, as you get older. Mm-hmm. And they have been able to dig up pre-internet, dig up the facts of these children's lives and verify these people existed and the events happened and and everything is or was as it said so like how can this child in virginia be aware of someone in california or across the world and then the facts are all verifiable pre-internet wow yeah there and they've got hundreds and hundreds or maybe even thousands of these cases so it is very fascinating to me and i'd love for it to be more um more of a a mainstream conversation Mm -hmm. because man would that change everything if uh if if we could talk about well when i was a woman or when i was a (laughs) you know or whatever um when i was a man you know and you know for whoever you know whatever they're experiences it's like that would be so fascinating (laughs) it would be it opened up a lot of minds so what was how did you end up going down the path of past life regression because that that is for most people man that is out there yeah (laughs) which is is part of the reason why i've not gone too into it because it's like i'm enough out there for people like i don't you know Uh uh-huh so what Uh, was well, you know, I'll try anything once. Cool. And I think the natural progression of 
meditation led to sound bowls, right? Sound sure. baths. Um, and then that, you know, then you just keep going to the den or, you know, whatever meditation place Super you're vibes into. with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you just look at the classes and my wife at the time we were dating, um, introduced me to it. She, she liked past life regressions and I was like, yeah, I'll go once. What, what's the harm? And, yeah. you know, it, I didn't know what I was walking into certainly. And going through the process, I still remember some, it's an hour long session. Okay. I remember so much of it because everything is really detail oriented. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I won't get too deep into it, but I was in the old West in a cabin. I remember, you know, the, the stove that was there where you had to load in the firewood to turn it on. I remember the kettle. I remember the color of the kettle. I remember all these different things. And inherently obviously i was there with my uh girlfriend at the time but she's going through the same experience mm -hmm. and when you come out of it you feel enlightened and lighter and you go about your day and then we went and had dinner and we we spoke about each experience and everything that we both went through the other person went through and that's intense you, so you were married in a previous life Yes. Or, or, or together yeah, in a previous life, your partner. We're, we're definitely married because they have you, at least in this session, they have time um, move. So, you know, initially you're in your twenties and then it's 20 years later and it's 20 years later and you inevitably end up on your deathbed. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, my wife was there on my yeah. side and I would tell the story for months afterwards you know our that specific episode for the two of us and that's when i knew i was going to marry my wife because i was i would just in present be so emotional yeah. retelling the story and it's just how much i yearned for her even looking back in that experience and that's and that was the, that was the first time i went to one Mm -hmm. you know i hadn't been going and had to work into it that was the yeah. first one and like yeah. and like what i said with tm i was like lying and sinker i was like yeah. okay and you know people could say whatever they want about it but it just makes me feel good to do it and you know it's, it's, i get it, it at the end at the end of the day you just keep going back to what makes you happy you know i think at some point in time i will probably go down that path more seriously um because it does interest me and like i said i think how fascinating would it be if the conversations we had uh and our position uh in life and empathy could would be totally changed mm -hmm. if we had um a, a greater understanding of you know our past experiences and you know just just to play you know just to play my 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 dad's side of the equation you know because this is how he would handle it because he you know he has degrees in psychology and education and group group dynamic and everything else what he would say uh you know and for all the skeptics out there um you know just to give the other side as he would say is the your imagination is incredibly powerful and because the imagination doesn't really know you know, your waking mind and your sleeping mind don't really know the difference, you know, and if you imagine biting into a lemon, your mouth will water. And, you know, if you think you're holding it in your hand and then you take a bite, your mouth will water. So um, our minds don't know the difference, which is also why it's like, why don't you believe the mental is all? <laughs> but that's another conversation. But yeah. he would argue that 
that it's just a manifestation. And because you guys were in a relationship, um, you're able to, you know, key things together. Now, right. obviously, I know enough, I've seen enough, heard enough that I know your two stories are beyond coincidence and beyond, you know, the normal, um, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, it was like that. It was like, no, no, <laughs> like, I get it. Um, but, you know, for people out there, if there's anyone listening, going, this is horseshit, then the other, the other explanation is, okay, it's, it's an imagination and our psychology and our, our minds are very, very powerful and yes. sure it could all be constructed. Um, and I'll, and then I'll say one other side of this conversation that I like bringing up, um, when, when there's skeptics, uh, involved, uh, physics basically says time is relative and there are multiple dimensions and uh it, there is a possibility that we can live multiple lives at the same time mm -hmm. and based on modern physics um and we don't understand how to reverse the stream of time at this point in time or look backwards with in any other way other than what we call memories. Yeah. So, you know, memories could also be future predictions and what could be the old West could be the future, mm -hmm. like from a physics standpoint, because everything's relative. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then, then there's, well, as long as we're going there, there's also a psychedelic uh, approach to this conversation. So because they know when taking psychedelics, um, LSD and uh, um, uh, mushrooms, uh, psilocybin, there's also a phenomenon where they call it shared hallucinations. And they know that two people can have the exact or multiple people, groups of people can have a shared hallucination. Um, and they, there's also group hypnosis and there's also other theories around other things. Um, so there's also a possibility, which is theoretical, theoretically possible uh, in based on, I think, many worlds theory that... Mm -hmm. Um, this is the only timeline you'll ever live on, um, within this reality, but there are other realities that you can live on at the same time and be having a completely different experience. And because time is relative and because from an outside perspective, you can look at the entire timeline, uh, on another dimension within the, um, you know, with, within one interpretation of the many worlds theory, um, you're just experiencing yourselves on another dimension, having a, a what we would call an old West uh, experience. So there's so yeah. many ways, <laughs> there's so many fascinating, fascinating ways to look at it. Um, I love it. And 15, 20 years ago, I would have said it's all horseshit as well. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and for some people, you know, a day can make a huge difference. You know, yes. um, people who have near death experiences mm -hmm. have oh, true. Yeah, man, they have some wild, amazing stories. And, um, yeah, there's, there's so, there's so much there, you know, that's my conversation with my dad is like, uh, I understand you don't see any validity to life after death, reincarnation, um, you know, God, universe, energy. However, 
there's several billion other people that have an experience. And even if only, you know, out of the 7 billion people, only 1 billion people have had as intense or real experience like you're talking about, that's a billion people, mm -hmm. you know, that's a billion people. You can't just throw that data out the window and say, there's no validity here. Mm -hmm. um, because a billion people have an experience that they say is more real than real. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is all the data I need to say, okay, I'm not crazy, mm -hmm. you know, or the <laughs> Buddhist mentality of they've been running a, 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 a scientific experiment for 2,500 years, 2,500 years. They've been running a scientific experiment. You do this meditation, you do this breathing exercise, you do this mindfulness practice and this way you will get the same results as everyone else. Mm -hmm. And everyone that's ever done it gets the same results. Mm -hmm. That's science. So, I mean, not the Buddhist religion, but the Buddhist practice right. is a science and it's proven time and time again for 2,500 years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we're, we've kind of hit all the major notes and then <laughs> went way deeper into certain things. Uh, I'm, I'm curious now because I, I know that you're, you're doing real estate, but you're starting to look at, you know, kind of transitioning your life. So how does transitioning your life now look different and and kind of in what ways, um, like I don't, I don't even know, like under normal, uh, under other conversations, you know, because we've gone so deep into the, you know, transcendental meditation, past lives, you know, the kind of experience of being and not being, uh, I, I think maybe it's going to be obvious what your answer is, but just, I guess, go down the train of kind of where your, where your head's at, where your practice is at as you're transitioning and how it's easier, different, you know, or what have you? It's much easier. I mean, any transition I've had in the past, it's definitely been a scary moment because mm -hmm. all the doubt starts to creep into your mind. You know, how am I going to pay a bill? How am I going to yeah. live? How am I going to be able, like, who am I going to hang out with? You know, and then you can get the more finite details of, Maybe it's a new job or something. And you're like, what's my commute going to be like? You know, that's certainly a topic of conversation oh, in yeah. LA all the time. So this, you know, with this, what I'm going through now, it's, I've been there, I've done it before is one way to look at it. But then there's also, I don't have as much stress and anxiety in my life as I used to. Mm -hmm. I used to have panic attacks, bad. Mm. Waking up middle of the night, um, a lot of sleepwalking, a lot of times I would just end up I'd actually come to when I'd be at like the kitchen sinks throwing water on my face. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So wait, I, you would wake up throwing water on your face at the kitchen sink. Uh, like that's when I would realize what was going on is when the wow. water would hit my, like the walk there, the getting up, the turning of the faucet, none of that triggered anything. That's wild. Um, yeah. So I think that now it's become more of a, you know, why can't you transition into something else? I think the, the historic model, at least in the U.S., is, you know, you 
grow up in the community, you do the one thing and you, you stay with, you find that job, whatever it is, whether or not you're ready to do the job, kind of what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, you're good at math and do mechanics or whatever it is. Right. Um, and be happy now for 60, 70 years. I think as artists in general, you're kind of always just wondering what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, starting a business or doing a podcast or whatever yeah. else is a big stretch for a lot of people. But at the end of the day, you know, you get into it. If you enjoy it, it, it becomes second nature. You're not actually thinking about all those like hurdles. Right. Whereas previously, everything was a hurdle for me, certainly. Because um, you're just like scared to fail. Yeah. I, and I also think that what I'm hearing is that you're not spending as much time thinking about the hurdle or examining the hurdle. So you're able to get over it easier or just allow it to be what it is. And, you know, you'll figure it yeah. out as, as you need. It's a, it, it, it is what it is. Everyone has to go through the same thing if they're yeah. going down the same road as you. So, you know, it's not like our society set up in a way where you can't do anything if you try, right? There's going to be boundaries that you're going to bump up against, but then you kind of just figure out how to get around those boundaries. Yeah. Um, but I think where I'm at now with things is that, all right, there's certainly a path, you know, financing always comes into play. You always have to figure that out, but, and, and I, I do have a degree in finance. So maybe that's why financing doesn't scare me at all. Yeah. It's like, you just know how to do it at some point. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, I, I think ultimately it's, I, I'm big in the checklists. Right. Mm -hmm. in, in the morning, I love to do my to-do list and like whatever the gratification is from crossing those things off. Yeah. You know, which kind of goes back to the journal uh, entries as well. It just, it, it, it lightens the load for certainly. And then like, I've also, even within that, I, I love to, to knock out like the low hanging fruit first, right. The easy calls, the easy emails, because yep. then you kind of build up a sense of accomplishment and you're just, you're in like a rhythm all of a sudden. And then you're like, oh, I only have this one task left. Yes, it's the biggest task, but I'm able to solely focus on it, knock it out quicker yeah. as if it was the first task I did with all these smaller things. And then you get into multitasking and then, you know. Yeah, I actually love doing small tasks. I love doing the dishes, taking out the trash, running yeah. to the store, getting, you know, getting stuff because it makes me feel like, okay, I can accomplish stuff and <clears throat> it's easy to do. Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, the things that I know are going to take me longer than a half hour, um, I'll usually need a little bit of like mental prep, like I'll, you know, sit for a second, just kind of breathe it in what I'm about to do, because sure. I know I'm going to disappear, you know, while I'm working, um, you know, whenever, just the way I am in my focus, like, you know, the, the rest of the world just disappears. And mm -hmm it's, it can be, it can be a little bit scary sometimes for me, you know, because I know if I go into something and I get focused on it, the world disappears. And I kind of feel like all of a sudden, if I'm, if, if I, if I pay attention to the fact that the world has disappeared, then all of a sudden I feel incredibly lonely. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I'm like, well, wait, what am I doing this for? <laughs> you know? So a little bit of a, a preparation, um, before I go into that hyper-focus gives me a, a great amount of, um, safety and comfort to make it easier to do what I'm about to do. 
And it's, it's interesting. I've learned, and I'm curious if this is the same for you. I've learned the value of ritual. And -hmm. I think this maybe is your checklists um, because ritual basically creates, you know, that safe space and for, for you to accomplish whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, because otherwise, Mm -hmm. like for me, you know, there's that feeling of loneliness that comes up and I'm sure it's different for everybody. Um, But, you know, when you're hyper-focused and the world disappears, like that, that can be a very, very scary place for a multitude of reasons. And having that ritual to prepare is um, makes it safe, makes it okay. Yeah. As far as real estate is concerned, I think ritual is something that I got into a place years ago where I'm just so confident in the process that because in real estate there is no real ritual like things fly at you from a bunch of different you just got to take them as they come and they're not even the same on a case-by-case basis and they're not necessarily um something that you'll always find in a case-by-case basis Mm -hmm. some you know every house has its own story so i think that you know you can definitely be prepared to do the the day-to-day the ritual stuff and that's definitely a good foundation step for me um and then it just allows me to kind of kind of be calm and relaxed and just see what the the day or the transaction or whatever you know brings and then makes it easier to be open to what whatever happens yeah and i think even covid actually and i hate to say it it's actually taking me into another level on adaptability because like that's what we all had to do at some point in the last two years now i mean i definitely I don't know that it's helped everyone, obviously, um, but I do think it's given everyone an opportunity to look sure. at themselves on some level. And, mm-hmm. and now it's a matter of, you know, how do we help those people? Um, you know, and like, you know, this podcast, hopefully, you know, will help someone and go, oh shit, you know, I can do that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I can take a minute or I can download Headspace. Um, you know, whatever their starting position is, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, start somewhere. Yeah. I got to start somewhere. And one step at a time, you know, or what's the, uh, uh, the, uh, there's, there's two that's coming to mind. How do you eat an elephant and how is the grand Canyon, uh, uh, made? And so the grand Canyon's one drop at a time. Um, and then how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I've not heard of that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you have any closing thoughts or, or tips, tricks, feelings? Um, I don't know anything that kind of comes to your mind to kind of wrap us up for the day. I mean, I think if I was to just talk to myself 20 years ago and give myself a, a little bit of advice, it'd just be take things as they come. Mm-hmm. ask questions try to figure it out and just try to get the other point of view and, and see what happens yeah that other point of view is so amazing mm-hmm. awesome don't forget to leave a comment or a review i'd love to hear your thoughts new episodes every tuesday and check us out on youtube for short clips from each episode thank you and until next time remember your life story is yours to write and rewrite as many times as you want Thank you.